Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I really feel like that today is an incredibly important moment uh, for our body. Uh, there are services that we come together, and I really feel like that God has a word for individuals. Uh, and, and I'm praying you'll get a word this morning because there is a word for you in here. But uh, oftentimes, uh, in situations like what I feel like today, I really feel like that the Lord has given us a word for the body and that this is a really crucial moment. We are at a real um, crucial, I don't know what other word to use, a crucial moment in our history as a body. And you'll understand as we go forward, and I explained some some things to you. And uh, so I really want you to listen carefully and, and listen for for the voice of God in this. Not, don't listen to Steve's voice. Listen to the voice of God in this. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to just uh, read three passages of Scripture there in Genesis chapter 1. As kind of an introduction, let me say this. They, they kind of seem small. When If I had my, a handful of them this morning, in most cases, now not all cases, if you go and get you some pumpkin seeds. Anybody ever uh, chewed pumpkin seeds? Okay, I didn't used to like them. Now they're flavoring them. They're okay. But I like sunflower seeds. I kind of, uh, I'm a connoisseur of sunflower seeds. So if you need to know which is really good ones, just come and see me and I'll, and I'll talk to you about uh, Yeah, chili and lime. Those are the best. If you can find those, you're home free. But not David's. No. What's the other one? Bigs, yeah, get Bigs, chili and lime, and you will like experience the glory, right? In your or Spitz, Spitz, yeah, right. That's an, that's not, we're not talking about what we do. That's its brand, Spitz. Okay. Anyway, seeds seem insignificant and small. When you examine a handful of seeds, it doesn't seem to have that much uh, importance in our lives. But when when you begin to deal with our life and in particular our faith then seeds enter the picture very early and they become very predominant on the landscape of what we need to know to live like God wants us to live. And so in Genesis, uh, beginning in chapter 1, this is how early we begin to talk about seeds because in Genesis chapter 1, seeds arrive on the scene. It it, it says this, in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that he may rule, another version says, so that he may have dominion, so that he may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground, verse, tw- uh, verse 29. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. How many of you know that every plant that exists already has the seed in it? Okay, that's important because you got to know about seed. And then he goes on and he says this, they will be yours for food. So I guess we were vegetarians to start with and then we got saved and began to eat. What eats vegetation? I, I don't like veggies. No vegetables for Steve. Okay. Uh, just a little insight there. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15. This is important. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. These passages of Scripture that I've just read to you from the earliest moments of existence and creation basically give us a glimpse, if you will, into God's assignment for man. 
Uh, I hear people all the time. I heard it on a regular basis when I was traveling as national youth pastor. I would go from place to place, and young people would always come up to me and ask me questions like, how do I know God's will for my life? What is the assignment of God on my life? We, we ask those questions because we fail to read his word. His word is clear about the assignment that he's given to us. And these passages that I read to you give us a glimpse, if you will, into the partnership that God has established with man. We are in a partnership with God. Come on, are y'all with me this morning? Uh, We are in partnership with God. From the earliest moments, God gave us dominion over the earth. He didn't give us ownership because how many of you know that the earth is the Lord's? And the fullness thereof. We don't own this place, but we do have dominion over this place. Our assignment from day one was to have authority and dominion over this thing that we call earth. That is our assignment. We've been given dominion. But it's a partnership. Uh, One of the ways to see that very early on is that God created the animals, but when it comes time to name the animals, he didn't dictate to Adam, you got to call that a giraffe, you got to call that a hippopotamus. He allowed Adam the responsibility and the the privilege of naming the animals. That's a duck duck bill platypus, that's a, I don't know, you know, that's a manatee. Where, Where did Adam get all this stuff? I don't know. But it was a partnership that took place, right? So we need to understand that. And that is important because God gave Adam and us dominion over the animals and the plants. He, he, we are given dominion, authority. Y'all, y'all, y'all are sleeping on me this morning. That ought to excite you because that reveals to you how you should be living your life. Now, let me, let me explain, though. Uh, we can't pray for God to do things that he has already given us dominion to do. Like, for instance, it wouldn't have done Adam any good in the garden to pray, God, please walk into this garden and kill this snake because he's trying to deceive my wife. Adam had already been given, given dominion over all the animals. See, see, y'all, y'all getting, it's going to get tight in here because, see, here's the problem. We want to pray and ask God to give us victory over things he's already given us victory over. And so we spend all of our little prayer life playing, oh, God, help me break this in my life. And God's going, what are you talking about, bro? I already gave you dominion and authority that you can claim anything and agree on anything, and it will be done. What more dominion do you need? He gives us dominion. Dominion is our responsibility. Uh, There's something out of Christ's life that I need you to see. I I need you to see that in the New Testament, Jesus arrives on the scene and he begins to call himself this, the Son of Man. When we think of Jesus, we think of the Son of God. But over 80 times, Jesus declares about himself, I am the Son of Man. Is he trying to dismiss his divinity? No. What he's trying to do is get us to understand that, yes, he was truly God, but he wants to highlight his humanity so that we will recognize that when we look at Jesus as the Son of Man, he is trying to reveal to us what a man that understands dominion looks like. So that we will in turn understand that that because we are now sons of God and joint heirs and heirs and have been adopted into the body, that now we too should begin to walk and behave and live like Jesus did. Now, the problem with that is we don't understand that. 
In fact, we have so seldom seen anybody actually walk in the authority and the dominion that we were entitled to and that we are entitled to that when Jesus began to operate in that dominion, his own disciples missed it. Jesus shows up and he calms the waves. You can go back and read it for yourself. He calms the waves and his disciples they look out at him, and, and he's, he's taking dominion over this, and they, make this, they ask this question, what kind of man is this? That even the, the waves and the wind obey him. I'll tell you what kind of man it was. He was a man that understood the dominion that he had been given. And he's trying to show us that that's how we should live. We've been given dominion. That's what Genesis is all about. Genesis, re, Genesis reveals to us our assignment and our responsibility. So, with all that said, I want to talk about our assignment, our responsibility. If you go back, then what you discover first is this. Seed is our responsibility. Seed. Go back and read what happens. Adam has been given the responsibility to manage the seed. Not that profound. Y'all don't look at me like you're waiting on some thunderclap. He, the, the Bible says he places him in the garden and he says to him, work it. So what does that mean? Does that, uh, we, we have no indication that by working it, Adam had to like pull, pull weeds. Anybody been pulling weeds at their house this week? Weeds everywhere. I, I mean, but we don't have any indication or record that that's what Adam had to do. He didn't have to prune anything. So what was his responsibility? His responsibility was to gain, to, to, to get the seed and plant them so that they would reproduce after their own kind. That was his responsibility. See, what happens is, is we get messed up. Our responsibility, hear me now, our assignment, even today, is to deal and to manage seed. The problem becomes, comes into our life when we move out of our area of responsibility and we think that we're called to hoard seed. Or that we are responsible to produce growth. I want to tell you right now, you can't make you grow any more than, am I right? Can, can any of you get any, make yourself get any taller? Can we make, you know, churches get in trouble all the time because they try to force growth. I'll, I'll, I'll make this thing grow. I got news for you. The Lord grows the house. If, 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 we lay, if we do it on our own, we labor in vain. We get in trouble when we try to do more than what God has called us to do, which is this. Our responsibility is to simply manage and to deal with the seed. And then we trust God for growth. So if we're going to fulfill our call, then we've got to handle seed correctly. You can boil most of our problems down to this. Most of us don't handle seed correctly. Oh, it's quiet in here. Y'all are trying to think, what's he talking about seed? Well, just hang on. Because the second thing you need to know, you got to get this, we got to get this as a body, is that God focuses on seed. When God deals with us, since our responsibility and our assignment from the beginning is to manage and take care of seed, then when God deals with us, He deals with us on the basis of our seed. You know, you can see that throughout the entirety of Scripture from start to finish. I could point them all out to you. But let me just point one, I think, that may reveal it the best. And then I'll refer to some of the others. The, the one that I think maybe reveals it the best is the account that, 
is so obvious in 2 Kings chapter 4. You, it's there that you read the account of the widow lady that the Bible says in that passage that she had been married to a good husband. But the husband is gone. He's passed away. So now there's no breadwinner in the house, and things are looking pretty bleak. And so she, as a, the, the creditors are coming to take everything. In fact, the Bible says that the creditors are coming to take her sons and to put them into slavery. And so uh, this little lady decides, the only thing I know to do is to run after Elisha and make a report to Elisha, and maybe he'll help me. And so she runs up to Elisha, and she gives him a, a summary. My husband's dead. The creditors are coming after my children. It's over. I, I, I'm just going to die. Right? That's what happens. And instantly, Elisha takes the focus off of her gloom and doom report and asks her this question, what do you have in your house? She says, nothing. But that's not the truth. The truth is, when she realizes what he's asking, she comes back and she says, well, I do have this little jar of oil, and I'm going to make some meal, and we're going to die. Do y'all remember the story? Yeah, see, what you need to understand is that uh, Elisha understood this concept and this principle about seed. Listen to this statement very carefully. Elisha understood is that you may, what he understood is this, you may not have what you need, but we all have seed. Get, let that get into your spirit. We've got to catch that as a body. You need to catch that as an individual. You may not have all that you need, but you always have seed. See, we want to focus on what we don't have. God wants us to focus on what we have. In fact, uh, one, one way to say this is that God wants to use what you already have in your house Something we already have at our disposal. Something, it's seed. And what we do is if we're not careful, we begin to look for external things that will show up somehow, some way, someday. Fantasy out there somewhere. And all the while, God is wanting us to utilize what we already have. She played down what she had. I have nothing except a, a little bitty pot of oil. We downplay what we already have in our lives. We cry out to God, I got nothing. Oh, really? What about that gift I gave you? Oh, it's just nothing. I can't, I can't do nothing. It's seed. When God deals with us, he comes to us on the basis of seed. Nothing ever starts out big. It always starts out in seed form. Woody didn't just show up last Sunday, never spoke a day in his life, and all of a sudden he learned the English language last week, so I called him on the way to Tennessee. Hey, could you speak for me? And him stand up here and deliver the word with power and authority. That doesn't happen. It started out as a baby that learned the English, da-da, mama, ball, mine, whatever. And then you develop that gift, and suddenly out of nowhere he shows up. That's what we think. No, it's seed. God deals with us based on our seed. You can't start with what you don't have. Y'all need to hear me this morning. Can I just help you understand that man creates nothing? We discover stuff, but we don't create. We do not have the ability or the power to create nothing out of nothing. That would make us God. 
so when God deals with us, he doesn't expect us to be able to have the power of creation that he has. But he doesn't expect us to operate on the dominion level that we have, which is seed. That's our job. See, the prophet, when he deals with her, he begins to deal and ask for her seed. He says, so what you have? Take that little thing that you think is nothing and sow it. And you know the rest of the story. When she gave what she had, it multiplied. He deals with us on our seed. When she gives her seed, a miracle takes place. So if you don't catch anything else that we're talking about this morning, you've got to catch this statement and this truth right here. This is it. This is the crux of the matter right here. You've got to catch this one. All this leads up to this. You've got to get this. And that is this, seed precedes the supernatural. Come on now. Seed comes before supernatural. See, uh, we look for miracles, but what we ought to be looking for is the natural first and the supernatural second. You don't hear that preached very much, do you? You ought to begin to look at what you already have and sow that and then begin to look for God to show up. See, our problem is we're waiting on a move of God while God is waiting on a move of man. He's already seeded our lives. He's seeded us and given us things that we have dominion over that if we would, uh, if we would deal with those and manage those and sow those, then the supernatural takes place. But we're all just sitting around waiting for a miracle. He's waiting on us. Take what you have and pour. Seed moves God. You can miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. We overlook the small incremental breakthroughs that God gives us on a daily basis where he blends the natural and the supernatural. I have a question for you this morning. At what point did pouring oil look supernatural? I mean, when she tilted that little jar up with all she had in it, the seed that she had, and she began to pour it out, at what moment did, it, did the room begin to glow? I mean, was there the, the, the gold filled the atmosphere, and oh, angels begin to sing, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, pipe organs begin to play. And what, At what point does pouring oil look supernatural? It doesn't. It looks natural. But at the moment that we plant seed, it precedes the super. Y'all are getting this? Okay, let's see if we're getting this because I want you to go back and think about how Jesus worked. Jesus, as the perfect representation of a man who understood the dominion that we have been given, he operates in this manner. He deals with the natural and then the supernatural takes over. If you don't believe that, you can go back and watch him work. Prior to feeding thousands who were hungry in Luke chapter 9, he speaks to this blending of the natural and the supernatural and he looks at his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. They go, we don't have anything. Oh, yes, you do. Five loaves, two fishes. Seed. Seed precedes the supernatural. He uses what they already have. And at what moment when you're breaking five loaves of bread and two little fish, when does it look supernatural? It doesn't. It looks natural. But because they were faithful to plant what they did have. Are you all getting this? It's a partnership. 
What do you already have? Where is your seed? Jesus could have turned air into wine as easily as he could have turned water into wine. But he requires them to partner for the miracle. What was the partnership? Obey me. Go get those pots that you've been washing your feet in and pour water. Y'all didn't know that, did you? Uh, uh, Washing the dishes in and go fill them up with water and all of a sudden wine. Seed precedes supernatural. See, the order that God has set into motion and that he will not violate is this. Seed time and harvest. He will not break that order. We want harvest without planting anything. I ain't going to do a day of work, but I want you to bless me. That's why you will probably never win the lottery. Because it breaks the order that God has established in your life as one of his chosen. You're wasting your money. Y'all see, y'all didn't like that. Y'all have been praying all week long. See, let me see if I can give you some more examples. We want to talk about Jesus helping pay his disciples taxes so we go fishing every day. Thinking he'll do the same? But there was the natural that took place. They actually had to go get the pole. Well, they didn't use poles, but nets and go fishing and put forth some effort. What about the, the lame man sitting on the side of the road that gets, gets healed? What, what did he have to do? He had to yell and was he lame or blind? He was blind, right? Jesus, have mercy. What's the seed? My faith to keep yelling when everybody's trying to shut me up. What about the lame man laying at the porch, the one that couldn't get in the troubled waters? We go, well, that that was just supernatural. and He couldn't do. No, there was some seed involved. What was the seed? How about the fact that he actually went out of his way to find somebody to get him to the pool every day for all of those years? If he hadn't, oh, I just think I'll stay home today. It's been a tough week. He would have missed Jesus. His seed. Led to the supernatural. How about the, the guy that his friends carry him up to the housetop and tear the roof off and let there there was the seed that took place. What was the seed? They had to can you imagine for that ain't easy. It's just seed. Just seed. And the moment that God sees their faith and sees their seed, he responds. Scripture is full of this truth. Seed, seed precedes miracles. Uh, uh, Noah built the, the boat before rain. That's seed. Jericho's, Jericho's massive walls fell because a million people marched in silence. That's seed. That's a miracle. We want to talk about the miracle of Goliath being killed by David, but we forget to, to, to deal with the fact that before he squared off against this giant, he went out and he planted seed. He gathered five stones. It was seed. David didn't fight Goliath with a rock. He fought him with seed. He was willing to do the hard work of the natural before the supernatural. When we need a miracle, we need to look and take care of our job first. Y'all didn't get that. What is your seed? Need a miracle? What's your seed? Need a breakthrough? What's your seed? See, because what we want to do is we want to wait for the room to start growing, glowing green, and we want all this out-of-nowhere blessing when the reality is is that most often the way God operates is it deals with seed. The natural precedes the supernatural. We are called to do what we can do first. Are you waiting on God, doing nothing, refusing to do your part? Let me see if I can get in your mess. 
Some of you are waiting on financial breakthrough, but you won't take one step to build a budget. And you certainly won't pay your tithes. And then we sit around and say, oh, God, get me out of this mess. Well, where's your seed? (laughs) Some of you are praying, God, fix my kids, but you won't go Zorro on their hind end to save your life. And you expect Woody and Jesse to fix your kids on Wednesday, but you won't discipline them one time at home. Where's the seed? They're out of control because you won't deal with what you can deal with. Uh, my marriage, my marriage is about to fall apart, and I need some help. But, man, I start, I've talked to some of y'all. Y'all wouldn't go to a counselor if your life depended on it. I'm too proud. They don't know what they're doing. And so your marriage falls apart, and then you wonder why. Because you wouldn't plant any seed. I, I, need, a, I need a raise. But you won't get up early and go to work early and you won't stay late and you goof off while you're there and you steal because you're being paid for stuff you're not doing. And then you wonder why no supernatural is breaking in in your life. I can't, Pastor, you're always talking about favor, but I got no, I can't, how do I get favor with my boss? I, I don't understand why they don't like me. Because you're lazy. Ouch. Seed. What can you do that would open the door and the windows of heaven to the supernatural? God won't break in until you can do what you do. It's your assignment. Natural seed. Waiting on God to heal you? Then what natural steps can you take to open the door for that? (laughs) Need to get married? Brush your teeth. Just some seed. Just some seed. Dress up every once in a while. Guys, go get a job. Quit living with your mom. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I know you've heard me say this, and I, and I am I'm adamant that this is true. The atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles, right? Am I right? The atmosphere of expectation. But I'm afraid that some of you may have misunderstood me. The atmosphere of expectancy does not mean that you sit around and do nothing. Faith without works is dead. The atmosphere of expectancy means I do all I can do and I plant all the seed I can plant and I tithe and I sow and I work hard and I brush my teeth and I take care of my kids and I do what I can do. And at that moment when I've done all I can do, I step back and I go, man, I so expect God to step in right now and allow the supernatural to take place because I planted all the seed and I know that there is seed time and then there's harvest and since I've been faithful to plant my seed the next step there's only one more step it's harvest so somewhere in here while I'm brushing my teeth and I'm going to work early and I'm being faithful in the little things at some moment it won't even look supernatural but somewhere in the middle God will join the supernatural with the natural then miracle comes in and I go Whew, miracle and everybody around me goes well that ain't fair but you don't know what they did Don't complain about their miracle if you don't know nothing about their seed. 
see, here's the truth, and I'm going to be done real quick. You and your spouse can say you're expecting a baby. But if we find out that your husband is sleeping on the couch every night, you can say you're expecting a baby all you want to. You will never have a baby. Am I right? Because seed precedes the supernatural. There is a natural step that we must take in the partnership that God has given us with the supernatural. See, our responsibility is the seed. So let me just say this to you and then I'm going to move on. If you are dissatisfied or disillusioned with the supernatural in your life, check your seed. What are you planning? And if it's nothing, then don't expect the supernatural. Why is this important for us corporately? Let me get it. I'm going to bullet right down. We're almost done, I promise. I wrote this down this way, and it tears my guts out, but I realize it's true. Every church I've ever attended has expected revival. I've not been part of one church in my life that didn't talk about, we expect revival. The only problem, though, is they wouldn't do anything to get it. Every church I've ever been a part of has said, we expect to grow. But they won't do anything to make room for the growth. Like one of the churches I was a part of, we would talk about growth all the time, but they wouldn't dare give up their seat. If you sat in their seat, they would bless you out. They had their plaque on the little back of the seat. They bought it. Y'all think I'm joking. Every church I've ever been a part of has talked about, talked about we want the, the, the supernatural, but very few of the churches, if any of the churches I've ever been a part of, were willing to take the steps necessary to plant the seed, to cause it to take place. See, you can't just talk about, well, we're expecting revival, but not pray for it all week long. You can't talk about, well, passion, we're expecting God to do some great things, but you won't do diddly squat to make it happen. You won't serve. You won't give. And we just, oh, we're expecting. Yeah, but where's the seed? You're sleeping on the couch. Where's the seed? Won't, won't, won't do anything out of our ordinary, comfortable zone, and then we expect God just to show up. We say we want growth, but we won't do anything to, to cause it to be possible for people to actually join us. Like park on the grass, switch services so there's more room. I hope it's getting tight in here. Because I just want to tell you that seed always precedes the supernatural. And if we're not willing to do those things, we can stand up here all day long until we're blue in the face and say, we're going to grow, we're going to grow, we're going to have revival, we're going to see people say, but we won't witness all week. Don't worry about it, God will step in. Baloney. Pipe dream. Fantasy. Because if we're going to see people saved, and if we're going to see growth, and we're going to see change, then it will come as you and I plant seed and take the steps necessary.
So let me just tell you some of the, the things. If we're going to talk about growth, then we've got to make room for those that grow, that, that come and that are saved and that are set free. And so we're, we're going to do some things. For instance, like this one, we'll see how much seed you're willing to plant because I'm, I'm concerned about some of you that you won't plant seed. Like next week is Easter. Did y'all know that on Easter, Easter is one of the greatest opportunities to witness to people all year long? People that don't even like God will show up on Sunday because it's Easter, right? And so next week, we're doing an illustrated sermon series, uh, starting one, called The Table. So we're just going to plant some seed. As you leave today, there will, you will receive two of these little cards. They're invitation cards. I don't want to have any left. But we always do because some people want to talk about growth but won't do nothing to cause any growth. You're going to be given two of these. These are not to just like be put in your glove compartment and you find them this time next year. These are seeds. Pray over them. And then go to somebody and say, you know what? I want to invite you to join me at the table and see if it wouldn't work. See, I, let, me, let me put it to you this way. I'm going to get real specific. Uh, Woody and I have been talking kind of back and forth. We think that we ought to have 300 adults next Sunday. Now, that'll put us at, like, probably close to 400. But maybe that's not big enough because, see, you do realize that right now we're averaging right at 240 to 250 people every week. So if, can y'all do math? I'm, I'm terrible at math, but two times 250. Isn't that 500? I thought so. It was a little short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we expect that to happen, can I just tell you the honest truth? They won't just show up. Oh, God, give us 500 on Sunday, but I ain't going to tell nobody. They don't have a clue when we start. I certainly ain't going to go pick them up because I got places to be. They ain't just going to, like, roll out of their bed on next Sunday and go, ooh, man, I need to hear a good sermon today. I need to go hang out with some uppity Christian folks today. Let me get out of my bed and go to church. They ain't going to do that. Unless somebody goes, you know what? I've been praying that. Seed. What are we going to do with them when they get here? Some of you are going to have to ush. And some of you are going to have to greet. And we're still fighting to find people to work in nursery. Come on, folks. That's seed. If we don't work the nursery, can I tell you what kind of folks we're going to get? Old. And I'm good with old. I like old folks. My mom and dad are old. I'm thankful. But can I tell you that church can't be about the old folks if we expect the young folks to stay in church? In fact, I want to say it like this. Church isn't even about my generation anymore. I don't care if my generation likes how we do church. What I really care about is whether my kids like how we do church because I don't want them to walk away from God. So we better be working the nursery. That's another seed we're planting. I've talked to Tim and Amy, and I said, look, we, we, we don't have a whole lot of finances around here, but what we do have are at your disposal. Do what you've got to do to build for us an incredible kids' ministry so that young families with children will want to be a part. Only problem is they can't do that by themselves. they got to have help. And so I want you to encourage them and volunteer. Matter of fact, I'd, I'd kind of like it if some of y'all would volunteer so much, they'd kind of like, man, they're weird. Tell them to leave me alone. See, another one. I got two more and then I'm done. 
How many of you know that sometimes seed doesn't make sense? Anybody figure that out? There are times that God calls you to give seed. doesn't seem like it makes any sense. We're right in the middle of one of those, just so you'll know. This is news to some of y'all. I thought I was going to have a little bit of a different kind of announcement this morning, but some things have come up, changed it just a little bit. But, but let me just tell you, we own this little house right here, um, right outside the parking lot to the west of us. We are in negotiations with the lady next to that that has the same exact footprint land-wise as that house. It would double the property back there. Because what we recognize is that that seed, I need you to be praying over the course of this week and the weeks to come. We were this close to pulling it off and ran into a little snag. And we're trying to do it with great integrity because the lady, this is the lady that I told you about that her husband passed away a couple months ago. And she is in dire straits. I'm talking bad. And what we decided as a, as a finance team was that we want to take advantage of the situation without taking advantage of her. And so we're going above and beyond and trying to help her. But we need God to break in because we believe that that is seed. That we need that property for parking and for area for us to grow. Doesn't make any sense. We're just now kind of getting a handle on this piece of property. But all I know is, know is that God calls us to manage seed. And then the last one, I'm so excited about this. This one certainly doesn't make any sense, but... but at the stage we're at as a church, I understand this, but I just believe that God is going to give us a great breakthrough with young people. So I am pleased to announce to you we are stepping out in faith. I, I mean, we're putting our neck on the line, but I'm all right with it because I recognize that seed precedes supernatural. I just believe we are going to see one of the greatest revivals of young uh, guys and girls and college students that this area has ever seen. And so we're seeding it. You know how we're seeding it? Let me just explain it to you. June 1st, Woody and Jesse Burpo are coming on full-time as our youth pastors. And I'm excited about that because that seed. Now, you need to know the seed they planted because they, they're taking a huge risk, taking a massive pay cut. Massive. Why? Because they believe in seed. And so now is the time that we have to plant and give and believe for all that God has for us as a body. And I believe that we are going to see the supernatural. So let me wrap it all up and say this to you, and then I promise I'll close. It's only like my fifth closing, so don't, don't worry. The question is this. What is your seed? What can you give? Oh, he's after my money. Uh, yeah, but no. Your money's just seed. There's other seed too, because some of you don't have any money. Well, I ain't got nothing. Okay, yeah, that's your money. But what about your time? What about your talents? What about your heart? That's seed. And we got to have every one of you in place in a roll. Oh, I started to be mean and just tell you that your role's just not filling that chair you're sitting in. There's something for you to do. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, then ask somebody and we'll help you find a spot. Maybe your role is giving. Then I'll leave you alone. Maybe your role is praying. Then I'll leave you alone. But some of you got some role, visible roles that you haven't been in in a long time because you're just sitting there on your seat. 
And there will be no supernatural until you manage your seed. We've got to do the hard work of dealing with seed. I want you to stand with me this morning. I understand that that is a different kind of message, but I also understand that this is a crucial message. That if this body, if we are going to be what God has called us to be, then we have to manage seed. And I also know that individually, if you don't get a handle on your seed, you won't see any supernatural. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for a bunch of seedy folks. Lives full of gifts and abilities and talents that you've given to us. God, I pray you'd help us to manage our seed. There are folks in this house that are waiting on you to move, and the reality is, is you're waiting on them. As soon as they take the first step, you will meet them, and the supernatural will be unveiled in their life. Help us, I pray, oh Father, not to miss the supernatural by waiting on the spectacular. God, I pray this body would grasp that we wouldn't sit around on waiting on the thousands because that's spectacular when you're sending us folks one by one, two by two, and we would take care of those folks and slowly, out of nowhere, wow, supernatural. Father, I pray that you would help us to examine our own seed. There, Father, I pray that you would do a heart search right now and you would help us to answer this question, what's in our hand, what's in our house, what do I have that I could pour out right now that you would bless. Father, if there's somebody in this room that needs a financial breakthrough, I pray that they'd plant seed. God, if there's somebody in this room that needs a relationship breakthrough, I pray that they would plant seed. Father, if there's somebody in this house that needs a spiritual breakthrough, I pray in Jesus' name they would plant seed. And God, I pray that we would never be a body that talks about the supernatural but won't do our part. Help us to get busy to see your glory come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just myself and the prayer team looking around. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I've never asked him into my heart, but I want to know him. He was the seed that the Father planted for our salvation, and I want to know him. That's the first step of moving towards the supernatural is I've got to make a move towards Jesus. And if that's you and you need him today, would you just slip up your hand? That seed, when your hand goes up and you... Pull it right back down. We will not embarrass you. We just simply want to pray intelligently with you. Is there one that would like to surrender their heart and life to Jesus today? And Father, we pray as we go forward this week, these little invitation cards would become great seed that would blossom into great harvest next Sunday. God, I'm believing for a packed house next week, not so that my ego can be stroked. or No, Father, I'm praying for a, a packed house of folks that don't know you. And when they see the simple presentation of the good news, then, Father, they will respond and supernaturally birthed out of seed. Harvest will come. 
and we'll see souls saved for your glory, for your honor, and for your kingdom's sake we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more past resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.